Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are now tuned in to the Jags Den Podcast, the official podcast of the Jaguars Wire, brought to you by USA Today Sports Media Group, and also the number one Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Jags Den Podcast. Of course, I am your host for tonight, riding in solo again. Uh, shout outs to Phil and Jacob as well. Um, but James Johnson here, managing editor of the Jaguars Wire, coming to you all live on a Tuesday night. And it is officially, I guess you could say, week 15 of the regular season of the Jacksonville Jaguars, as we all know, uh, were on Thursday night football this past week. And uh, it was an embarrassing loss, to say the least, in which the Jags lost by a score of 30 to 9. And, of course, we're going to talk about that. um, But before we get into the game in itself, uh, I would like to, of course, plug our handles. Of course, you all know the site jaguarswire.usatoday.com. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter under the handle of at sports underscore done uh follow jacob as well under the handle of underscore jadella phil under the handle of at phil the filipino and also jackson Freiberger, who as you all know help out with game day coverage on jags wire he is from uga wire feel free to follow him under the handle at jacks that's j-a with a x Freiberger on twitter as well of course you all know the podcast handle handle on twitter that is jags den podcast or at jags den podcast should i say at the jaguars wire for our site of course and uh, you can feel free to check us out on the various interfaces on the web most notably itunes so Head on over that way. Feel free to subscribe and rate and give us comments so we can work our way up the charts. Uh, Stitcher as well. Tune in. iHeartRadio, Spotify. And as Phil announced on the last podcast, we've also been added to Deezer and Radio Public. So feel free to check us out on those if you're an Android user or listening from your desktop. And oh, yeah, lastly and certainly not least. Feel free to check us out on the Audio Boom Network, which the USA Today podcast network is on. So you can check us out as well as uh, some of the other wire sites on that as well. So first, we're going to get in some quick hits uh, before we actually get into the beatdown that the Jags suffered at the hands of the Tennessee Titans on Thursday night football on a national stage. And of course, Again, I am reporting on Tuesday, so I'm just going to take a few quick hits from today that I've already put on the site. Uh, the first one being uh, the Jaguars being named seven point underdogs or seven point favorites to the Redskins. Um, they entered this week that way. 
Um, and, and, and it's a little surprising to some because of the Jack situation, obviously, offensively and their struggles and how the season has gone. Um, but when you look at it, uh, basically, I just think this is a case, you know, Vegas understands that this is probably or this is the Jags last home game of the season. So, you know, the crowd's going to be there or, or they at least they think it's going to be that way. Um, and the Jaguars are going to come pumped and amped up and they're going to come into this game looking to rebound from the embarrassment that they suffered on Thursday. Not and not only that, the embarrassment that they have made the fans endure throughout the season. So there's that. And most importantly, you know, as we all know, the, the Redskins are dealing with some issues of their own in terms of injuries. And, you know, they're they're a lot like the Jaguars in terms of their injury situation. Uh, they've been through their top two quarterbacks. We've all heard the story about Alex Smith, prayers to him, um, who who is dealing with uh, he's recovering from these surgery. Uh, he I think he broke his tibula and fibula. Uh, but don't quote me on that. But he did uh, sustain two breaks, if I'm not mistaken, in his uh, lower leg or, or in his leg. And, um, you know, he's in recovery right now. And, and, you know, that basically put them in a situation where they had to lean on their number two, Colt McCoy, who also surf- suffered a leg injury. I think he might have broken a, um, a tibula or fibula or something like that. However, he hasn't been put on IR. So I don't know like how extreme or or the severity of it. And and then again, I'm not a doctor anyway. Uh, so that being said, though, those two guys are out of the game. They're basically going to have to start uh, Josh Johnson. Uh, and this comes after, you know, Mark Sanchez struggled mightily in their last game, which was, I think, Sunday afternoon. Um, I, I think the team they played put up like 40 points on them or something like that. But they're Offense was ineffective with Mark Sanchez behind center. They made the change for Josh Johnson, who uh, hasn't been on the team a week, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Josh Johnson is, you know, somebody who's kind of bounced around the league as a journeyman uh, quarterback. So, you know, that situation uh, probably, you know, is, is has a lot to do with why Vegas has the Jaguars, who have struggled mightily all year to even put up points and be, be good on offense. That's probably why Vegas would put them as, you know, a, a favorite by a touchdown. As for the next quick hit, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, I actually posted this one uh, late last night, um, but they signed receiver C.J. Boyd to their practice squad, uh, formerly of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, he also had a brief tenure or a brief stint with the Cleveland Browns and the Tennessee Titans as well out of the University of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, and, and this is a guy that uh, was drafted or went undrafted last year uh, in the year of 2017, uh, got on with the Ravens for, uh, to begin his career. And um, like I said, he's kind of bounced around the league. So he was added to the practice squad. And he is a guy that uh, I guess, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, he makes the second receiver now on the practice squad alongside Alan Lazard. And, um, you know, we I guess we'll we probably won't see him this year, uh, but he's a guy I guess we'll get to see more of next year, you know, during spring training and, and, and what have you. So if he sticks, that is, or if he signs a future contract, I don't know the terms on his deal or what have you. Uh, but, yeah, he's been added to the Jags roster and we will see. Uh, what the future holds for him. And lastly, 
uh, certainly, certainly not least. Uh, I think I posted this roughly three hours ago on the Jaguars wire. Uh, the 2019 NFL salary cap is project- projected to jump up from, uh, well, it, it's projected to jump up to $191.1 million at the most or $187 million at the least, which, you know, that will mark the sixth consecutive time as we expected the cap has jumped over an, an amount of basically 10 million. So, you know, that's good. More money <laughs> to pay Blake Bortles, I guess you could say. And that dead cap hit of 16 million that we'll have to deal with next year. And, um, yeah, you know, that also helps with, you know, some other financial situations that the Jags will have to deal with next year. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a crazy offseason. Um, I don't think we're necessarily going to sign a lot of guys in terms of bringing in guys through free agency. But uh, we are going to have to make some cuts, uh, maybe not as many as some think. But um, and we're going to have to part ways with some guys from that defense and that defensive line. And, uh, yeah, things will be very interesting from the sense that, you know, we have the financial situation to deal with, what they're going to do in free agency, what they're going to do with the front office, who's going to be kicked in or, or kicked out of the situation. And uh, I guess ultimately time will tell. But that's something that actually we're going to discuss later in this podcast uh, about Tom Coughlin. As you all know, you, you've probably seen the article by now, um, but I personally think he should be on his way out, uh, even though that looks like that may not be the case. Uh, but still, uh, that's going to be one of the topics of today's podcast as I'll discuss, you know, why he should be on his way out and, and how I feel about the job that he has done in the front office. But before we get into that, unfortunately, the first topic or the first main topic of today's podcast is an evaluation on the Jacksonville Jaguars lost Thursday night football against the Tennessee Titans 30 to nine. Once again, it was an embarrassment. And I guess I probably should start with the offense and uh, Cody Kessler, who was starting in his second official game was 25 of 43 for 240 yards, um, had an average of 5.6, which isn't all that good, but um, he had a touchdown as well, uh, took four sacks, for 45 yards, had a QBR of 45.1 and an RTG of 81.5. But on the surface, when you look at it, I mean, I personally and, and there's some people that agree with me on this. Um, I'm not the only one on this one, but I think Cody Kessler with, you know, the granted the circumstances, he looked good when there was time for him to drop back in the pocket and make throws. He made throws and he, he made throws over defenders and, and you know, he. He had great touch on the ball. Uh, nonetheless, um, he, he spent a lot of time on the ground, a lot of time running for his life. And, uh, you know, the, the offensive line who we're going to talk on next didn't block the best. And I'm not, don't make no mistake about this. I'm not here praising Cody Kessler, saying he's the future, saying this, that or the other. But all I'm saying with granted the circumstances that were in front of him, he looked good. He made the throws when he was asked to make the throws. Uh, nonetheless, being that everything else went wrong around him, not only offensively, but defensively, uh, you know, they weren't able to put up a lot of points. And uh, the result is 30 to or, or the result is a 30 to nine loss. So, um, you know, he's a guy that I'm, I'm going to be watching going forward. I don't think he is going to be uh, the starter next year. 
I guess time will tell. Uh, but I do think he could be a backup next year for him. And, and that's really what he's doing with these opportunities that he's being given by the Jags. He's establishing a case to be the Jags backup and maybe be a, a stopgap guy uh, for them to, you know, put him in for, you know, X amount of time next year and then put in a rookie. Uh, but I guess, you know, it's kind of hard to tell. Time will tell what they will do with that situation. Um, but Again, it hasn't been overly impressive, but he hasn't looked terrible either. So on to the rushing attack. Leonard Fournette had 14 carries, 36 yards. Uh, that was good for a 2.6 average. Longest carry was seven yards. And also, as you all saw, he um, also had the incident with the Titans fans or, or Titan fan. I guess it's kind of hard to tell by the video, but um, that's something that him and Doug Marone um, talked about. They consulted each other about. Apparently, the person said something racial uh, to Leonard Fournette, which, I mean, rightfully so, it made him upset. Um, and, you know, that that's what caused the incident. But it looks like no suspensions or, or no punishment will come of it, as it shouldn't. You know, and, um, you know, it's just one of those situations we've all been to NFL games. We all hear the things that fans say two players and sometimes it can get out of hand or you know a fan can overstep their bounds and this looks like this was simply a case of that of course you know with TMZ showing the video and all it kind of made Leonard Fournette look like a bad guy although he does need to control himself better because you know in the NFL you do have to have thick skin and and things like that are going to happen and people are going to say things like that it's not going to be the first time he's heard something like that certainly won't be the last time that he's heard something like that um, but, you know, with, with all of the things that have trickled into this year, you know, the things that have happened prior with him, you know, he just has to kind of do a better job and do. Yeah, I know it's easier said than done, but just do a better job of controlling his temper and, you know, not letting it get out of hand and get to that point. But um, I digress from the game in itself. He didn't have a good game. And um, granted, the offensive line didn't block well for him. You know, there were some things that Leonard Fournette didn't do good either as well. And as you all saw in my takeaways afterwards, Leonard Fournette himself, he looked sluggish, obviously. Um, you know, and that might have been because he spent last week on the bench due to suspension. So that's kind of his own fault. And, um, you know, he's a guy that's just been underwhelming this year. You know, he's he's missed all the time with the hamstring injury. And the Jags, or he, simply hasn't had that good of a season at all, or he hasn't lived up to the expectations of a first-round pick, um, missing several games even before this year. And, you know, all the more reason, which, like I said, I'm going to get into later, to get Tom Coughlin up out of here, in my opinion, though, like I said, it may not happen. Um, but, you know, it just, Leonard Fournette just hasn't lived up to expectations of a first round pick. Not that they should have been drafting a running back that high. Anyway, you've all heard me and Phil and, and for, uh, not Fournette, but Jacob express our opinions on that. Not only did they pass on a quarterback, but even if they wanted Leonard Fournette or they didn't want one of the quarterbacks of that draft, you still don't take a running back first or, or fourth overall that high in the draft. But, you know, I kind of digress from my point. So on to the receiving. Uh, it wasn't all that impressive either, aside from D.D. Westbrook, who, as you guys have heard me say, I think D.D. Westbrook has a number one to number two type potential. 
Um, and, he, you know, he was getting open out there and he made plays, seven receptions, 88 yards, uh, a touchdown, even though, you know, some of that came in garbage time. But it's clear that he does have a kind of a bond with Cody Kessler. It's clear that, you know, when you have somebody that can make the throws as Kessler did when, you know, the pocket allowed him, you know, it's clear that when D.D. Westbrook has somebody that can make the throws and a quarterback that is actually a natural thrower of the football, one that can read the field, one that can put the ball where it needs to be, uh, D.D. Westbrook will flourish. And he showed that, um, you know, in the non-garbage time catches that he got. So he's a guy that if there is any good takeaways from it, and I did put this in my takeaways, him and uh, Cody Kessler, the bond that they had and, and the things they showed was pretty impressive. Um, although, you know, when you look at the overall side of things, I guess, you know, it, it still was a loss and it was a terrible loss at that. So um, but still, nonetheless, that was just kind of a, you know, a small positive to take from it. Keelan Cole was the next receiver on the um, receiving list. Uh, had three catches, 55 yards, um, 18.3 yard average. So, uh, you know, he was catching a few deep ones. But overall, I mean. Uh, it wasn't impressive on their side. They didn't really help him out or and, and him. I mean, Cody Kessler all that much. It was several drops. I think I counted at least three. I know Moncrief had one. I know Westbrook had one. And that's kind of rare for him. So um, but it was a drop nonetheless. Um, I don't know if Cole had one, but I do recall at least there being three drops, which um, that kind of hurt Cody Kessler's statistics as well. But um Nonetheless, I mean, I guess that's been the moral of the story as we will end up probably having to get some receivers this offseason. But they haven't been that good at all, aside from D.D. Westbrook. And um, yesterday or Thursday was once again a case of them struggling with drops. So on to the defense, who was they were just tragically disappointing. And, you know, they have been up and down this season, but they haven't looked that bad uh, and I mean, this group, at least in quite some time, I don't think they've looked that bad since I've been watching this group or, or since last year's run. And, you know, they just they couldn't stop the run. Uh, people look scared and lethargic when it came to tackling Derrick Henry. And look, I've played football. I've had to hit running backs that are, you know, twice my size. I mean, I, I was what, one one fifty one sixty. I know how that can mentally wear on you. Uh, but nonetheless, it just looked like these guys were just simply scared, maybe even avoiding contact. I, I won't say the effort was lacking. You never want to call out anybody's effort. But I just I just think that Derrick Henry's style just intimidates them. And it has in the past, at least in my opinion. And it just looks like, you know, they weren't given 100 percent to bring him down. And uh, it was it was just sad, to say the least. Uh, the 99-yard run, the historic run that we've had to all witness time and time again on video as Jags fans. Uh, it was just simply embarrassing. And um, aside from the tackling, though, there were many things wrong with this game. When it was out of hand, it seemed like the, t the defense wanted to step up then, and they wanted to boast and brag about the stops they were making, this, that, and the other when the game was out of hand. like, And that's all the more of a reason to get rid of Doug Marone, too, Personally, I mean, I think it needs to be a clean sweep in terms of what shotgun needs to do with the front office and the staff. Just get everybody out of there because this team looks like a mess. Uh, but I, I digress from my point. Uh, but, yeah, they were just celebrating over a little small victories at the end of the game when it was out of hand. Telvin Smith and Jalen Ramsey, it's like, 
what are y'all, you know, what is there to brag about? Y'all are getting the beat down, basically, and the game is out of hand, you know, so that just kind of bothered me. And that's just something uh, that I don't know, that just was a light bulb in my head towards getting uh, my man Doug Marone and Todd wash up out of here. Um, but if there was any positives to take from the situation, it was Ronnie Harrison had five tackles, uh, all of which were solo tackles, had a pass deflection and also had a interception. So he's a guy that's shown promise. Um, they, if I'm not mistaken, they benched Barry Church or should I say they put him um, on the inactives list, which if that doesn't say he's out of here next year, I don't know what does. Um and that that a move like that kind of feels like they they're just fed up with him. I don't know what's going on in, in internally with Barry Church, but like just for them to do that, I mean maybe he's mad that you know that they got a rookie in there over him and he's been showing a lack of effort at practice. Don't quote me on that. I'm not saying that's the case, but all I'm saying is that for them to put him on the inactive list, that's just kind of odd to me. I mean, at least have him go out there as a backup if something happens to Harrison. Although they do have good safety depth, but, you know, that's a head scratcher. And, and that's something worth watching, even though we all know Barry Church is pretty much out of there. Um, Ian Rappaport said it himself um, before the game in his little primer, as well as Malik Jackson. They say he's out of there as well. So those are not surprising uh, but nonetheless, just a abysmal showing overall against the Tennessee Titans, who, you know, they just had the Jags number over the last two years. The Jags haven't beat them since December of 2016. And, um, you know, when Tennessee Titans fans talk their noise to us, like we really have no choice but to sit there and take it because it's all true. Um, and our team never shows up against them and that needs to be fixed. And that's all the more of a reason to get this front office out of there because they haven't had success against the best or our number one rivals in the conference. So that's where I'm at on the Jazz performance. Hopefully I didn't get too ranty and go on and kind of talk y'all ears off. But um, the next topic at hand that I want to transition into is, of course, like I said, the article that I put up on the Jazz front office, why they need to do a, a clean sweep and why uh, most notably that should include Tom Coughlin. And for those who follow me on Twitter, um, you all know that I've been very vocal on how I feel about Tom Coughlin. Of course, you know, when they first made the move, I was fine with it, um, you know, like just as everybody was and, you know, bringing a, a guy back. Uh, that has ties to the organization, a guy that has been very vital to our success early in uh, in our time as a as a an NFL organization. Uh, but now he's a guy that in the two years that he's been here, I haven't been all that impressed with, ladies and gentlemen, to be honest with you. I know a lot of the media, the local media, the national media um, like to brag and boast about, you know, the job that he did with turning them around last year, uh, this, that, and the other. But when I really, like, look at the the core of this and I, I really evaluate the 2017 season and the 2018 season, you know, I, I have to wonder how did the Jazz get the as far as they did in 2017 considering, you know, the things that Tom Coughlin has done in the front office. All right, and don't, don't get me wrong, when 
the 2017 season was going on and the Jaguars were piling on wins. You know, I was happy about it. I was glad about the success. And I mean, I think most of us would agree that they pulled the wool over our eyes. You know, I was included in that. I thought the Jacksonville Jaguars were a very good team, but this year made me go back and evaluate, you know, this year and, and um, last year, you know, basically the two terms under Tom Coughlin and, and just kind of evaluate what may be wrong with this team after just watching them, of course, you know, basically melt down this year. And I know, again, like I can't say this enough. I do understand that there are injuries, uh, but there are other strikes against Tom Coughlin that I don't like and, and other strikes against him that have the makings of a bad team. And me personally, it looks like he's making the same mistakes he did that got him fired when he was the head coach and running the front office the first time around. And I believe that Shad Khan is a guy that he kind of has the wool over his eyes. He's looking at 2017, uh, but he really needs to be evaluating that and looking at, you know, the the shortcomings of this team and and the, the issues they have had. And uh, a lot of it is this, ladies and gentlemen, simply put, in my opinion. Shad Khan needs a football mind, a football, uh, you know, genius in the front office to help him uh, make personnel decisions because he's not a football guy. And that's understandable. You know, I understand that Shad Khan uh, didn't have dealings with the game of football, you know, prior to becoming the owner. I mean, aside from, you know, watching a few games here and there and wanting to own a team and. A lot of it is basically also the nostalgia and, and also the, uh, the the degree of respect that he believes that Tom Coughlin brings to the organization. Because make no mistake about it, before Tom Coughlin came, the Jacksonville Jaguars front office was a joke, you know, and that was a league wide perception. They were the laughing stock. And I think Shad Khan believes that having Tom Coughlin in the front office gives this organization especially the front office more respect when the fact of the matter is the team is still being ran horribly and not only that Tom Coughlin simply isn't a good front office guy in my honest opinion and and I think Shad Khan has looked deeply into what he's done as a coach and looking at his coaching legacy and make no mistake about it I do not dislike you know I do not you know hate Tom Coughlin and I'm, I'm very grateful of the things he did for this organization as a coach and for the game of football as a coach. And that man has more coaching ability in his fingertips than I have in my whole body. Make no mistake about it. And I respect everything that he's done for the game of football. And just, you know, I respect him as a person in general. But as a front office personnel member, He's a guy that I'm just not overly impressed with. And I don't think he's done a good job in the past in front offices. And I don't think he's done a good job currently in the front office. And I think Shad Khan is thinking about uh, Tom Coughlin's coaching legacy and thinking that necessarily translates into basically a successful guy in the front office. When the fact of the matter is Tom Coughlin doesn't belong near a front office. And you take a look at it, guys. You take a look at the draft classes that Tom Coughlin has been ahead of or reportedly has been ahead of. And after all, they did say in the the first press conference that Tom Coughlin was in that, hey, he has the final say, if I'm not mistaken, Shad Khan said he has the final say and Coughlin himself said he has the final say. So make no mistake about it. 
this is Tom Coughlin's front office in terms of having the last say and making, you know, you know, the final decisions on draft decisions and, and whatever have you. But when you look at the two drafts that he's been the head of the household in 2017 and 2018, you know, this is where one of my bones and my gripes come with Tom Coughlin. And it's the fact that basically the drafts haven't been all that good. You know, we just talked about Leonard Fournette and his lack of availability on the field and the issues he's had uh, this, that and the other. And I mean, that just feels like I don't you know, you can't say for sure if Tom Coughlin made that call, but it just feels like a Tom Coughlin pick to take a running back first overall in the draft. Uh, It just feels like an old school type of draft mentality. Um, And it really, to be honest with you, as much as I dislike what Dave Caldwell has done, it feels more like. That was Tom Coughlin's call than it was Dave Caldwell's call. Because think about it, guys. Dave Caldwell kind of comes from that modern draft there. He kind of comes from, um, I guess, like, you know, he's part of the Polian tree. But then again, he also learned some things from Dimitrov when he was in Atlanta uh, from kind of that modern day coaching tree from or that scouting tree from the New England Patriots. So he has elements of the New England Patriots drafting tree uh in his repertoire if you will if that makes sense and to take a running back is just something that I don't think you know that Dave Caldwell would do as kind of a new school guy in the in the front office but I mean that that's just my personal opinion but uh, I digress from my point Leonard Fournette hasn't been available as much as people want to drag uh, or brag about his 2017 campaign the fact of the matter is he didn't average four yards a carry um, he, he missed a lot of games. He was suspended that year. Uh, this year, he's been injured, unavailable, uh, got another suspension. You know, he just hasn't panned out to be a first round pick. And, you know, I think that falls on Tom Coughlin. Even if Dave Caldwell made that call, Tom Coughlin is the head of the household and he needs to be held accountable for that pick. So not only that pick, but you look at his draft, the rest of the draft from 2017. And I'm about to pull it up real quick. You got guys like Cam Robinson, um, the offensive tackle they took from Alabama, who's a guy that I do think may have a bright future, but it's, it's still a little bit hard to tell. I mean, of course, he's shown us what he can do. And this was the case in college. He showed us what he could do in the run game. But as a pass protector, he hasn't been all that good. And he looked good going into training camp this year and then regressed again. And then you you can't think that after the ACL tear that he's going to come back and just light it up next year. He's probably going to struggle next year. I mean, that's typically what happens when a player comes back from an ACL tear. You know, there's rust, especially at that position. So he's a guy that the Jaguars will have spent three years on, but haven't really made all that much progress with. Although, like I said, he will probably be a good contributor to the run game. But that's not an overly impressive pick on Tom Coughlin and Dave Caldwell. Dewan Smoot just showed up against the Colts. That was his best game of the year. Still has yet to register a sack. And yes, I know like sacks don't really, you know what I'm saying, make a person's career necessarily or sacks can be an overrated statistic. But this is a guy that hasn't really generated much pressure. Uh, isn't a guy that has, I don't know, basically he's not a guy that has done well enough in practice for them to put him in a lot of games. He's been in some games, but not many um, and he's been dealing with injuries, almost got cut, I guess you could say, during final cuts. Uh, so that wasn't a good pick of, uh, I mean, a good pick 
um, when looking back at that, at least not yet, although, you know, the future could be bright for Dewan Smoot. And I think, you know, there are, there will be opportunities for him to step up, um, as you have seen on the Jaguars wire. But then you got guys like D.D. Westbrook, who now this is probably the best pick since Coughlin has been here overall. D.D. Westbrook, as I said, I think he has number one potential or at the least number two potential. Um, but he he fell in their laps. They took him. You know, he probably should have been drafted sooner, but he had the off the field issues or whatever. But he's just proven to be phenomenal for the Jags. And I think a better quarterback and better pieces around him, you know, a better offensive line will make him better. But this is the only pick from the 2017 draft that you can look at and be proud of and say that they got some, you know, got something in return out of or something significant in return out of aside from Fournette. And as I said, availability has been an issue. But in the seventh round, they got Marquez Williams no longer on the team. Jalen Myrick no longer on the team. And I, I get it. Yeah, these are late round guys. You don't expect them to be on the team very long when you have a lot of talent. Um, Blair Brown, another guy that, you know, has has been underwhelming. Uh, they tried him out at Sam, didn't work. You know, he hasn't really been able to find a place on the defense. He's been playing in special teams, of course, but nothing to write home about. If you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, Tom Coughlin and that front office, terrible draft class when you look at it. At this, these five or let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. When you look at these seven picks from 2017. So moving forward. To the 2018 draft, of course, there was Taven Bryan, who the Jags picked up over, you know, guys like Lamar Jackson. And, and not to mention in the as I said before, in the previous draft, they got Fournette over Watson. And, and then before that, I think they passed on Mahomes, too. So that's another thing that's just if you're shot, Khan, and you value the draft and you look at these things, that's those are unforgivable mistakes. And you have to get rid of those people if you are a owner that understands the draft process and understands what's going on here. And that's the thing. I don't think Shad Khan values the draft enough and understands the draft enough to see that what Coughlin is doing is, you know, is destroying this team basically in terms of a draft perspective. But as I said, Taven Bryan, they took, you know, Lamar Miller or they took Taven Bryan over Lamar Miller, who I mean, you know, Lamar Miller's kind of been or Lamar Jackson. I'm so sorry about that. He's kind of been up and down, you know, but he's a guy that would have been a good plan B for Blake Bortles, you know, and, and a guy that had been sporadic in the past in Bortles, you know, a guy that the Jaguars shouldn't have trusted in the first place to give a contract extension. So it wasn't out of the realm of possibilities that Blake Bortles could have regressed as he did and proved all of us right in Jaguars wire and all over, you know, the nation, Jags nation. Um, but he he digressed or he regressed. And the result is this season, basically. And again, you know, injuries do play a role into this. But the Jaguars basically could have had a very cheap plan before Blake Bortles in place who has di uh, regressed. Um, but they didn't do that. They took Taven Bryan instead. And, and Taven, I get it. You know, he's a guy that will be a future starter as a defensive lineman. Um, he'll probably replace Malik Jackson with the Ian Rappaport situation. Um, the report coming up this week with, you know, them basically saying they, they're going to get rid of Malik Jackson. But still, ultimately, what you did is you took a three technique defensive tackle. And don't get me wrong. Defensive tackle is a premium position, in my opinion, in the draft. But they took a rotational three technique, at least for this year, over a potential franchise quarterback who was actually, you know, for the most part, you can say Lamar 
Jackson is doing pretty good with the Ravens defense. And that's a situation he would have been in with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He would have came into a situation with a good defense. And, you know, maybe not this year. He might have not have been good because of the offensive line. Um, but I kind of digress from my point. Basically, they took a three technique, rotational three technique over a potential franchise quarterback. And for me, that's that's just inexcusable, even though he will be a starter in the future. And I'm talking about Taven Bryan here, though. But you don't even take a starting three technique, a guy that's going to start immediately over a franchise quarterback. If you don't have that guy at quarterback, that's inexcusable. And that's a mistake that Tom Coughlin or, or well, Tom Coughlin and Dave Caldwell will have to answer to to Shad Khan. And if Shad Khan knew what was going on and understand the draft process and understand the value of having a franchise quarterback or potential franchise quarterback, he would get them up out of there personally. But again, I don't know that Shad Khan understands the draft process well enough and understands uh, the value of having a franchise quarterback well enough to understand that, you know, this front office is killing the team again. So after Brian, they got a uh, DJ Chark wide receiver, Louisiana State, who I was very I was high on. But at the same time, he's kind of been underwhelming. And I do I do think the future for him is bright. I just think he's just having a case of just being a rookie, basically. And, you know, the stage is kind of big for him right now, even though he did come from LSU, which is, you know, SEC school. Um, you know, prime time school that you see on TV often. But I just think the NFL has just kind of been overwhelming for him in his first year. I do think he can be good in the future. But even if he pans out, there's still, you know, one or two good draft picks that the Jags have gotten in two drafts, basically. So aside from Taven and DJ, we move on to Ronnie Harrison, who, as I said, I praised him earlier. He's a guy that I think the future is bright for a future starting uh, strong safety will replace Barry Church. So, okay, now we're at roughly two to three good picks in two classes. Uh, will Richardson, uh, the future will be told about him later down the road because he's on IR. Uh, but he could be their future offensive tackle or future guard, especially with Parnell and Can probably being gone next year. I guess we'll have to see how the Jags handle that. But um, he's a guy that, you know, he's on IR. hasn't We haven't seen much out of him. And even so, you know, when he was on the field during training camp, it wasn't impressive, you know. So he's a guy that they were uh, labeling as a guy that needed more work, a lot of more work. But, I mean, then again, he was a fourth-round pick. So I guess it's kind of like what do you expect in his first year. Um, and then also in the sixth and seventh round, um, seventh rounds, they got uh, Tanner Lee. Of course, he's on practice squad, backup quarterback. I mean, if anybody's seen Tanner Lee in training camp, it's clear that he probably isn't going to be all that good, even as a backup. Leon Jacobs, who he's been starting um, as the Sam, um, but hasn't looked overly impressive. And then Logan Cook, who Cook has actually been good. Um, but when you look at this draft class as well in totality, they haven't got a lot out of it. And I get it. You know, they were drafting in the back of the draft order. But I mean, still, like you look at these two classes and you combine them together and it hasn't been impressive. And, and you know, if Sean Shad Khan looked at the draft classes alone, you know, he might have questions. But I guess, you know, time will tell what he does with the front office situation. Um, it looks like. Or it sounds like that he might end up keeping at least Tom Coughlin, who, again, like I said, should be gone. But 
he'll probably get rid of Dave Caldwell and, and rightfully so. Um, but yeah, when you just look at this season as a whole and you look at the things that have been going on since Tom Coughlin has been the head, what has changed since he's taken over the front office? And if you look at 2017, I know a lot of people will point to 2017 and say, hey, you know, this team was phenomenal in 2017. They went to the playoffs and it was a great run. But when you look at when you just look at that season and evaluate it, the Jaguars did get four wins against uh, a divisional opponent in the Texans and the Colts who were in the situation that we are in, basically, with no quarterback and a bad offense and poor blocking. You know, so we basically took advantage of, you know, a, a weak division that year. Now that those guys are healthy, I guess you can't you kind of can't judge us off of that because we're we're injured now. But nonetheless, you have to look at that season and wonder, like, was the fact that Andrew Luck and Deshaun Watson not playing the reason that the Jaguars were able to win the division and ultimately go to the playoffs? And if so, 2017 was a fluke. And then the question arises if 2017 was indeed a fluke, what has changed since Tom Coughlin has taken the throne? And I have a hard time finding much that has changed, ladies and gentlemen. Simply put, we are still dealing with the issues we had when it was just Dave Caldwell in the front office. And even before that, I mean, look at it. We still don't have a franchise quarterback and still are looking for a franchise quarterback. And Tom Coughlin gets all this praise for being a offensive guru, but we're still struggling offensively and don't have a quarterback. So that's one thing or one strike against him. We still don't draft particularly well. I just went through both draft classes that the Jags have had while he has been in the office. And the thing that Tom Coughlin gets the most praise for, for making uh, an organization more disciplined and, and like this military style organization, first class organization. The thing about it is when you look at the discipline perspective of things, the Jaguars are still undisciplined. When you look at this year, I mean, you have the Fournette incident, you know, even though he was going on the field to defend a teammate, you got the Fournette incident. You got the, the silly penalties that we've always are seen to be. Uh, inflicting on ourselves with like Yannick swinging on an offensive tackle, getting us a penalty that way, and all kinds of undisciplined penalties that we've just suffered from throughout the year. So the Jaguars aren't even disciplined as people in the media and the fans lead them to be under Tom Coughlin. I mean, think about it. The talk has been about how shocking it is that a Tom Coughlin ran team is so undisciplined and so unruly in all of the organizational issues they have going on in the locker room fights, this, that and the other. So, again, what has Tom Coughlin changed? Because this looks like the same old Jaguars that Gene Smith ran because they can't draft well. We're seeing the same issues that they had with Dave Caldwell running the show from the perspective that they can't find offensive talent and evaluate offensive talent, which Tom Coughlin supposedly is supposed to be a mastermind at. So from that perspective and those three strikes, I think Shad Khan needs to really evaluate what Tom Coughlin has done and let him go with the rest of the staff. And that includes Caldwell and, and Marone. I'm not saying save anybody. I know a lot of people were saying, well, Marone deserves to go and, and Caldwell deserves to go. They absolutely do. But, um, my man Tom Coughlin is far from blameless. Excellent coach and, and great guy 
in terms of what he's done for the community. But in terms of running a front office, he's simply not the guy. And that is how I feel on that issue. That said, I think Chad Khan would just be better off just poaching somebody from a front office that has been flourishing as of late. Uh, get that guy, let that guy draft a new quarterback and just start from there. I mean, because you don't want Tom Coughlin making a decision because he's never had to really make that decision before. And I do get it. The guy that you get from, you know, another staff hasn't probably made a decision on getting a franchise quarterback either. But again, I go back to the evaluations that have been made in terms of offensively, and they all have been busts for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I don't know that you could really trust Tom Coughlin to to draft a franchise quarterback or evaluate a a current or a modern quarterback in this era. He might have could do it back in the day, you know, the Brunels and back in the day where it was kind of easy to see those traits that you like in an NFL quarterback. But now it's kind of different because the game is so different and. I just wouldn't trust Tom Coughlin uh, with that responsibility. So that's where I rest on that as we close today's show or tonight's show rather and uh, bring it to an end Uh, before we do that. However, um, I want to really quickly uh, once again plug the outlets where you can listen to us on which is iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Audio Boom and also um, Radio Public as well as Deezer. And um, like I said, once again, feel free to subscribe on iTunes and give us uh, reviews and comments as well as we're trying to, you know, get our way up the charts in iTunes. So in terms of what I got going on for the rest of the week, going to be talking on some red skin stuff, of course. Um, So look for those articles. Um, I'll probably do four things to watch in the Jags matchup tomorrow uh, with the Redskins. So be on the lookout for that. And, um, you know, that's pretty much it. So um, feel free once again to follow the guys as well at Jadella for Jacob at Jax with the X Fryburger for Jackson Fryburger and at Phil the Filipino as well. So until next time, you all hold it down and, uh, you know, try not to let the Jaguars get y'all too upset. Um, As you know, the season's winding down. We only got three more games of this. And uh, personally, I think we need to be tanking anyway. Uh, but I guess we'll see how that goes as um, a very difficult offseason is coming up and a uh, very interesting offseason off is coming up. So until next time, y'all take it easy and go Jags.